Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. We are, as a, a whole entire industry, the most crafty, street smart, like, you know, give me a, give me a penny and I'll make it a dollar. You know what I mean? We all can do it. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. I'm Josh Kopel, and on today's show, Darren Rubel shares how 9-11 inspired his return to hospitality and how this global pandemic could spark a renaissance within our industry. From the ashes of 9-11, Darren Rubel created a restaurant empire spanning eight concepts, including restaurants, bars, and a catering company. His companies have gone on to thrive even through the crash of 2008. He's got a plan for the future, but first, Darren takes us back to his first job in the industry. Hospitality for me has always been a means to an end. Um, I didn't. I didn't grow up with a family with a lot of money that that I had like a, an allowance or a trust fund. If I wanted to do anything, I had to pay for it, and I had to do it. Um, and and I and I understood that at a really young age. Um, my first job in general was at a place called Antique Boutique, selling leather jackets. It was this really cool vintage store on Broadway in in uh, Greenwich Village. Uh, and, and it was a, it was such an amazing job. And it was what, what I found amazing about the job was the, the friends that you made outside of like what your normal life would be. And it was so interesting. And it, and it really made me realize early on um, how cool it was to work with other people outside of whatever your normal world already was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so my moving into hospitality so I, I worked at, you know, a bunch of retail stores, you know, Banana Republic, on a folding board. What year was uh, this? This must have been in the early to mid 90s. Okay. This was like in, in like 91, probably. Okay. You were in high school? I was in high school. I graduated in '93. Right on. So, and and I was doing and I was doing that, and then I went off to and and then that summer before college, I was like I'd always worked in retail, but there was a friend of mine who worked in Rockefeller Center, and he calls me up and he's like, Darren, I'm working at this place, and they turn the ice skating rink into a restaurant. And I'm making a fortune. I was like, no. And they're looking for people. I was like, <laughs> I was like, done. I was like, I'll take it. I took this job and it was the most high volume insanity that I had ever experienced. Uh, Restaurant Associates owned it. 
and everything was autograded. It was way before all these laws and all the foreigners that you would autograt tipped anyway. And everyone was just making a ton of money, like a ridiculous amount. I had this drawer actually at home and the drawer was stuffed with cash. Literally the whole <laughs> thing was stuffed with cash. And my mother used to come in and take it too. It was just like the community, the community draw. Uh, pretty funny and true. So at the end of that, summer you know we worked for like a month and a half and there was like a month and a half left of summer and i had gotten my brother a job there and we looked at each other my stepbrother justin and we looked at each other and we said we have so much money we don't need it anymore he said let's go to europe let's just like quit tomorrow get on the next plane to europe and see where it takes us so we did that off of the you know off of the restaurant wait oh my god so did that for about a month and a half um, and then came, came back, um, went to college. And then when I went to college, I also had to work. I worked at, I, my first job was Planet Hollywood. Mm. Uh, at the time, very, very cool. Oh, the uh, coolest. <laughs> the coolest. <laughs> Stallone came in all the time. Schwarzenegger came in all the time. I was bartending. I, again, had another amazing set of like, family there you know real family outside of my school family so it was, mm -hmm. it, it was always that sense of family that kept bringing me back to the restaurants I feel and that sense of community mm -hmm. so uh, you know I worked after that um I worked at Planet Hollywood I worked at uh, a couple of you know cheesecake factory for for a little bit <laughs> as a server um i was a host at uh, an italian chain um i forget the name now but it was it was it was also really good and and it was a it, all of it were great experiences you know every, every single one of them i i enjoyed outside of what i was really trying to do go to school and then get a quote-unquote real job mm -hmm. um so then you know i graduated after i after school, I was like, started looking for jobs, real jobs while, you know, working in the restaurant industry as a server. Um, I worked with Scott Conan actually while I was in college at this mm -hmm. restaurant. Uh, I finished at Marymount in Manhattan actually. And, and Scott and, and I um, still laugh about this place called Chianti that we worked at. Um, he was the sous chef. I was a server. <laughs> pretty, pretty funny. Um, and then, and, and so then I think that was my last, Chianti actually might have been my last uh, restaurant job before going into the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. So then I took a job at thestreet.com and I started working for internet companies. Uh, and after every day was miserable, man. Literally, I hated, there wasn't a day I think working out, working what, what I call the real world that I enjoyed, you know, happy mm -hmm. hour, uh, makes me nauseous still. Um, and thought of it back then. I never liked the subway ride to work was always miserable. And I did this for about three years. I worked for double click. I worked for the street.com. Uh, and, and my last job I was working for, um, Yahoo. And mm -hmm. then September 11th happened. And yeah. my three years of, of, being miserable became even, you know, more daunting and miserable. Um, I started applying for other real jobs again. And every time I'd walk into these offices, I actually just felt sick. I was like, I, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I don't think, uh, it's possible. I just don't think I, I could take a job. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. I just knew I couldn't take a job in an office. 
office. I knew it wasn't even a possibility. And I remember sitting on Chelsea Piers, literally, you know, I think I was 26 or 27 years old at the time, hysterical crying to my mother, ready to move to an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere, because I just knew the way that I was being asked to, or the way I was making money, couldn't be what life was all about. It, it, it couldn't possibly be that this was life, and you punch in and you punch out, and decades go by so quickly, and you turn around, and you're like, what did I just do? I, I, I was so positive that that, that, that that wasn't an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, then my brother... Um, said, Darren, you know, you, you love, you love working in restaurants. You always have a good time. And then I was like, that's not, it's not a job. <laughs> I was like, that's, you can't do that. That was like, you know, that's what you do during school or in between jobs. <laughs> He's like, no, it, could, it really, it, it could, it could be a career. It, I was like, wow, what a, what an exciting thought. Maybe you're right. You know, what it's a, I'll definitely start talking to people. Let me explore this. You know, I had worked for some amazing people throughout the years and kept those relationships. So I had meetings with them and and sat down with them and and they were like, you know, they gave me great advice at the time, you know, work, understand what the industry is and then jump right in. Don't, don't think about it. Just do it. Just do it. So I was reading the help wanted one day and there was a ad for a manager at this restaurant that was on Park Avenue South that was yet to open. So I was like, let me go see what this is. The go in for the job interview at this place, uh, Dukes, right next to City Crab. And mm-hmm. I instantly got along with the, the, these guys, like incredibly well. Felt like, They felt like old friends. And we opened up a Mexican place called Chango on Park Avenue South. And I was there for the entire process. I got to work uh, and help build the place out. I got to get all, you know, the, the opening permits, the opening health permits, everything that you do to, to, to open your own business, which was an invaluable experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and got to hire the whole staff, like really saw an opening through and through. Um, and, and that time in my life, there wasn't one day that felt like work. Although it was probably the most I'd actually worked, you know, the kind, I was probably there a hundred plus hours a week. It, it ne- there wasn't one day where I was like, I got to go to work. Every day I go to sleep and I wake up and it was like, I can't wait to fucking get to the restaurant, you know? And, and, and I think that what, you know, in life, that's an important place to be, you know, an yeah. important place. You, you know, I know a lot of people that wake up and are miserable and I, and I, and I think maybe now's a calling to be like, you know, what really does make you happy? And then don't go back to work if that's how you're feeling and, you know, try to reinvent yourself. This would so, be the moment. This is, you know, this is definitely the moment. So I did that. I I did Chango for about 24 months. And during that time, I met an incredibly talented, one of the sous chefs there was this guy, Patrick Patricio Sandoval. Um, And he's a brother of Richard Sandoval, who's an incredibly famous chef, owns uh, like 35 restaurants, maybe more. Um, And he was so talented. And I was so excited by his cooking. We'd be bored. And, and during like, you know, staff meal, he would create the most insane things. And I was like, you have to like, you need to like bring this to the people. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. So at the time I found a restaurant, a little, it wasn't a restaurant at the time. It was in the East Village on 12th Street and Avenue B. And I found this space through a family friend and it was called the pantry. It was 
1100 square feet it was a to-go spot there was like a backyard and the rent was $2,100 at the time. Sweet. So I was like, <laughs> this is insane. How are we going to raise? I, so I was like, listen, Ian, I want to take the place from you. So we did some key money. I forget what it was. I think it was like $50,000 back then. And we, like, we, we went into money raising mode. And at the time, there were still grants available for 9-11 and loans and grants. So, you know, we each put a little money in. I, I went to the SBA um, and we sat down with the SBA and they hooked me up with all these grants, all these loans. And we, you know, started our first restaurant, Mercadito. Um, another, again, really exciting time in my life. And, and it rarely felt like, like work. Um, so, that was that was my my first my first restaurant, um, and I just feel that you know every every couple of years you know at, at that point every year I would get another itch like I, I, let's do this again you know what if this shuts and I'm gonna have to go back and look for a job let me make sure that doesn't happen let me open one more up and I kept <laughs> every year I kept doing that and I kept doing it. I'm like okay if three fail I now have four so. <laughs> I'm not going to have to look for a job. <laughs> and that's that how you really, landed on eight, right? That's how we landed on eight businesses, um, which are now eight problems. Um, <laughs> big problems. At the and moment. solutions. And solutions and time to really, you know, again, use our brains on, on, on how we can get through this. Well, let's talk okay. about the eight. So... New York is an incredibly competitive market. And I mean, the failure rate, regardless of city, is incredibly high. You grew to eight locations and, and you did it during, you know, obviously difficult times, whether we're talking about the rebound from September 11th or, you know, the financial crisis in 2008. What do you think separated you from the pack? Like, what, what ensured your success? You know, I, I, I've always thought it was two things. I always, it was always important for me to design a, a space, a really nice space, right? Because a lot of restaurants, you know, are like they're, they're, you walk in and you can almost forget them, right? So you don't, you have, design is incredibly important. Making people feel good while they're in, in the space is, is one of the key elements. The other, and, and that's, you know, that's one element and that's not going to just do it alone. The other element that's incredibly important to, to my whole team and, and all my partners is Southern hospitality, being so nice to everybody in a city that people don't expect it. You know, we don't live in North Carolina and people don't say hi to each other on the street here in New York. They just don't. <laughs> They're going from point A to point B and they, they'll think you're a little weird if you, if you say hi to them. Mm -hmm. So we want to, I always say, it feels weird and we want to be a little weird. Say hi when it doesn't feel right. Say goodbye. Say thank you. You know, ask somebody how they're doing today. All the things that they're not used to getting walking around New York that they might have gotten if they grew up somewhere else or if they went to another city, I really try to provide that. And I think that goes an incredibly long way. Oh, I, I would, I mean, being Southern and running a Southern restaurant myself, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. So that's, that's I think, one of, one of the, the key differentiators and obviously making sure you have good food and people that care and 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 all all that good stuff and in great cocktails and working with talented people doesn't hurt but at the end of the day i think if you're really nice to people it's almost enough 
Now, let me ask you something else. So, you know, a, a concept that's been rolling through my mind since the day we shut down Pro and Proper uh, has been work-life balance. I've worked 80 to 100 hours a week since I can remember. You know, I, I joke with people when they say they work 40 to 50 hours a week, and I say, oh, I remember my first part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and now that I'm I'm not working those hours because the restaurant is closed, I'm reevaluating. I've gotten the opportunity to spend time reconnecting with family and, and mm-hmm. friends and spend more time with my daughter and my dog mm-hmm. and my wife, uh, not necessarily in that order. And I, I'm now wondering, you know, what, what it's going to look like when I go back to work, right? A- yeah. Am I as likely to work those hours and commit that much, that much of my time and attention to something that is so fragile have you had those thoughts i have and you know but i've had these this, this is funny this has been a, an, an ongoing theme um through my life and the the, the work-life balance especially in this restaurant business where we just had this whole conversation how i'm telling you how it never felt like work mm-hmm. so i i don't mind i i never minded being there that many hours but something really important if, if I, if I lived in a bubble and I had no other people in my life, that might work. But when you have a, a family, like you're saying, be a dog, I have a wife and a dog also, you, you, that, that doesn't work. You can't do that. That's really not an option. If you, if you want a, a rich, fulfilled life that everybody benefits from, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. healthy about a father being at work a hundred hours, uh, 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 period, you know, and not right. seeing their child and not seeing him grow up. So maybe this time will make us realize that. And I realized it because I went through a lot of relationships. You know, I'm not, I'm not 20 years old. I've, I've been through my share of relationships and see why they don't work. And, and hospitality um, partner isn't for everybody. But mm-hmm. that being said, you still have to find that balance because it's not for anybody, for nobody, for the partner not to be there at all. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Exactly. <laughs> So really finding, you know, that balance is important. I, I evaluate that all the time. And, and, you know, at this point, though, I'm sure I, next week, if you told me I could work 100 hours, I'd be excited because I've been home for so long. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, it, it is. It's, it's something I constantly think about and I'm constantly adjusting. And uh, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not easy in our industry. Certainly not. But, you know, we, again, we have the opportunity to think about so many things. Most of the restaurants in America are shut down right now. Um, and if we use this time, you know, I, I ask myself all the time, what are the changes I would like to see? It's obvious. And I think we'll see it with the reopen rate uh, <laughs> or the, the low reopen rate of restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll see that no one was really set up for success from the beginning, right? We always start overtime, over budget and highly leveraged. Yep. And, and when we look at the foundational elements, whether it be the razor thin margins, um, or, or, you know, the way leases are structured uh, when it comes to landlord-tenant relationships. Are there any foundational things that you would like to see changed or that you intend to change within the dynamics of your own restaurants? It, it, it's a great question. And it's something that I struggle with, um, that we all struggle with, I should say. You know, the, the, the restaurant industry, to me, um, has felt doomed for the last couple of years. Um, I've seen the profits dwindle away. I've seen the competition only get stronger. I've seen delivery platforms take away 
business, I've seen really important. One of the biggest changes that I've seen in, the, in, in this industry is the way people socialize, right? So prior to um, online dating becoming like the, the, the primary way to meet somebody, you mm -hmm. actually had to come to our places to socialize. <laughs> right. No, you did. The only way you were going to meet a girl is if you were at a bar. You're yeah. not meeting a girl anywhere else. You'd always joke, like, where am I supposed to meet a girl? The library? They're like, really yeah. good places to meet women. The supermarket. The library. That's mm -hmm. not true anymore. The only place to meet somebody, you have a better successful chance of meeting somebody sitting on your couch in your underwear yeah. on, like, on, on an app. So that, that, mm. really, the, that really changed our industry. So I really think I want to take you know, this opportunity to think about how people use our spaces um, how they're going to use our spaces, how that's changing, how that's changing more, how people are going to use them less now with the coronavirus, because, you know, even if there was a, that recent article of restaurants opening in China, although they might say they're fully operational, they're only 30% capacity. Uh, nobody's gathering in large groups anymore. So I think, you know, I don't have an answer, but I'm definitely thinking that 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 fundamentally a lot has to change. Landlords are going to have to definitely work with us. I think there has to be an enormous rescue package, not in the form of loans because the last thing we need are loans right now. I, ha I have, sure. you know, a I have a ton of debt on a lot of these places already and adding more to that, that's not, not going to help me. There needs right. to be grants. Maybe there's federal relief. You know, Amazon doesn't pay federal taxes. Yeah. If you look at our industry as a, as a whole, it's pretty large and maybe, maybe there's a movement for the next two years. There's no federal taxes in, in, in FNB. I don't know, you know, but something that grand, mm -hmm. um, I think is what it's going to take to change the way we operate and, and, and give all of us a reason to keep, you know, a, this many people employed, B keep going and staying in this industry. You know, it scares me. I just, you know, it scares me to again, have to look for a job because the model doesn't work anymore. So a lot has to change. And, and I hope that maybe this was the moment, you know, it was going to break anyway, and this broke it. So let's take this time to really think about how, how we are going to rebuild it in a, in a, in a more sound way, not a, not a broken boat, you know? There's also been an opportunity for me for self-reflection, something interesting that I discovered about myself through this process. You know, I always wonder, like, what's my key differentiating factor, right? Like, what's my superpower? And for years, I always thought that it was, you know, I was successful because I was smart, right? And I always mm -hmm. felt like I was smarter, smarter than, you know, the other people in the room, as obnoxious as that sounds. <laughs> um, you know, but obviously, I didn't see this coming. And, uh, you know, the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized through, you know, personal discovery that it's not that I'm smarter than everyone else, that, that my superpower, and I'm sure it's true for a lot of restaurateurs, is that I'm more resilient than most, mm -hmm. like, more resilient than anyone I know. I am able to stare into the abyss and go, it doesn't look that deep. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know? That's all of our gifts, honestly. Yeah. That is, we are, as a, as, as a whole entire industry, the most crafty, street smart, like, you know, give me, a, give me a penny and I'll make it a dollar. You know what I mean? We all can do it and we'll scrounge and we'll change and we'll turn left and we'll turn right and we'll jump and we'll grind it out. We're all grinding. 
blinders. We really That's are. That's what I was going to say is, you know, it, there have been few industries that have been as hard hit as ours. But having said that, I think that there, you'd be hard pressed to find a group of people more likely to claw their way out of it, right? No doubt, like vampires. <laughs> we're gonna come out like vampires we used to joke when we leave and the sun was coming up and oh, like, yeah. it's like you know it's like <laughs> you know where we are we're a bunch of vampires and we'll and we will we you know i know we'll come out of this and i know we're so resourceful um much more so than you know it's almost a joke when you like go to an office and you like you feel like they're like four steps behind you for some reason because they're like in this cog we're definitely mm-hmm. not in the cog. We're out of the cog and we can yeah, see yeah. it all. And, and, and that's going to help us a lot. I think we have the opportunity to reimagine our own futures. And I, I think that that is, that is a powerful place to be, despite the it's hardship. A, it is hardship, but you know what? It wasn't working. Right. So we just pulled the Band-Aid off is all we really just did. I you couldn't know, agree with it, you more. It, it was never, there was never anything sound about what was going on. No, so it, was, I, it was all propped up on Amex loans and, you know, borrowing it, from future profits through rewards network. And we were not paying this guy to do a split there. <laughs> and, you know, who can we not pay this week? Who's really mad? Oh, God, yeah. I got to give the concrete guy a couple of dollars. You know, it, it was, it, that's, that's what we do, you know? Yeah. What's the best part of quarantine? Have you enjoyed any of it? <laughs> oh God, I, I, not yet. Um, not a lot of it. It's been. It's been. There's been the best part might be the fact that I always had the secret, dark secret. Like I wanted to get a PlayStation and like be a gamer, but I always knew that if I did that. I get sucked in for hours and it would be pretty pathetic to be a 45 year old dude, you know, <laughs> gaming. So right before all this went down, I got one. Um, and it's been fun. <laughs> so that might, there be you the go. that might be the best part. <laughs> right on. Uh, it, let's imagine a scenario where you are a restaurateur with only one restaurant. You're currently shut down. You've got a limited amount of cash in the bank. Walk me through your your plan to get open and to stay open. Hundred percent. It's a, it's a, it's a great question. I think that the most important and valuable thing we have right now is is your capital, assuming you have any. You know, and and whatever you might have, I don't care if it's five thousand dollars. Hold on to it. Don't pay anybody. Hold on to it. Transfer it into another account if you have to. Stop all ACH payments, everything. So step one is, is, is hold tight. Step two is start to get ready for filling out a lot of applications, a lot of loans. You know, Get your tax returns together if you're bored and don't have them already. Get all, all documents needed to, to apply for assistance. Um, and then I think it's a wait and see. And then when it's time to strike and, and you know, the government allows us to open um, is hopefully at that point you would have gotten loans and then negotiate with everybody, you know, mm-hmm. everybody. Trust me, you're not going to have to pay the full liquor bill. You're, you're not going to be put on <laughs> the ABC or the SLA's website. They'll work with you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay, you know, every bill you have, I really believe is going to be negotiable right now mm-hmm. and use that as a tool and negotiate. 
And and I think that's going to be key to trying to get open. That's great advice. I You and I are completely aligned there. I know you don't have a child, but if you did, would you want them to get into the industry? Um, I, I really, you know, my mother gave me the, the, the best advice, um, when I was young and she said, just make sure you do something that makes you happy. And, you know, I, I explained to you how miserable I was, um, and, and how life sucking and daunting work seemed. And I would never ask my child if to, to do something that made them feel like that and anything that didn't make them feel like that is the right thing for them. Right. It might not be right for you, but it's definitely right for them. Why? Because they feel good. And that's all we want in life. We're trying to feel good. We want to be happy. So I'd be ecstatic if my if my kid wanted to be a, a, a garbage man and every day he came home was like, honestly, I had the best day, Darren. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that, that would make me happy. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's important what they do. And yes, this industry, if it made them happy, I would fully support it. Right on, man. You've got thousands of restaurateurs listening to you right now. What would you like to tell them? Guys, we're going to get through this. Um, we really are, um, a rare breed and we were definitely like, we just talked about, we were built for this and we just have to band together and, and, and fight the government for every dollar we can, because that's really going to be the key to the rescue. You know, it's not takeout. It's not trying to survive during this. It's really just about, um, coming together, holding tight and, um, we're going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. Yeah, we're fighters. That's Darren Rubel, proprietor of New York's Drexler's, Pretty Ricky's, and much more. For more on Darren and his businesses, go to paradisehospitality.nyc or search Rubel Management. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H. K-O-P-E-L dot com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.